I just want to be very clear. If you open a salon, the goal is to make money. Mm-hmm. Or you shouldn't be a salon owner. You shouldn't be a business owner at all. Yeah. Of any, I don't care what business it is. I don't know why salon owners think they're in a, a world of their own. Hi, everyone. I'm Sid Sharice. And I'm David Bosher. And you're listening to Destroy the Hairdresser, the podcast. Where we teach you to salon differently. Ditch the can and go digital today. It's 2022, and with inflation plus an open color bar, we are experiencing more color loss, and this time, we can't just blame the drains. Join the thousands of salons that are digitizing the most creative aspect of their business. Never lose, never guess, and never worry. Head to salonscale.com slash DTH to see why thousands have joined the Salonscale movement. Use code DTH10 at checkout for 10% off. I hate to burst your bubble, but stocking retail shelves does not make you money. But you know what does? Online sales. We have partnered with Salon Interactive to bring you a free marketplace to sell the products that you love to your clients and followers without having to spend a dime on retail. Instead, you get to make a large commission from your sales, whether your clients and followers buy them at 2 a.m. from their couch or directly from their phone while eating breakfast. Making money in your sleep is now possible with Salon Interactive. And the best part is, it's free. Visit saloninteractive.com DTH for more details. Let us introduce you to one of our favorite product companies, Reverie. Reverie is hair care for all humans, no matter your hair type. Their clean and innovative formulas nurture the integrity of your hair for unrivaled results. Reverie is made intentionally in California, paying attention to detail at every stage of the process. Their mindfully sourced vegan ingredients and environmentally friendly packaging showcases their commitment to creating alchemy in a bottle. Reverie was created in 2011 by Garrett Markinson and continues to be a family-owned and operated business to this day. Tap the link in the episode description to get connected with our friends over at Reverie. All I want to do is take a nap. All I want to do is take a nap. (laughs) (laughs) What are we talking about today? Tears, queers, and beers? God, I wish. That'd be... (laughs) <laughs> Great episode. It's my life. Tears, queers, and beers. <laughs> a lesbian story. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I watched Spencer, and I hated it. I didn't watch it because I had a feeling I was going to hate it. So It was really bad. Yeah, it's just like, Kristen Stewart playing Kristen Stewart. As that wasn't even the be- worst part. She was actually pretty good, and she I'm not a huge fan, but it wasn't. I don't know. I just was like, I was expecting more. I watched on the plane ride home. Mm. I was expecting more. And the name Spencer. It's her last from what name, I, right? That's what I thought. But then she had a scarecrow named Spencer. And it had a jacket. And that was like who the reference was about. A scarecrow. It was bizarre. And the All whole right. thing was. Well, now I got to go watch that. Are we recording? Mm-hmm. We've just been recording the whole time. I never know. Yeah. yeah. I should just so come into these Spencer. assuming that we're recording. So I do. Some of my favorite movies I've watched on a plane because they are not ones that I would normally watch. And then I get trapped in a moment and then I'm like hysterically sobbing next to a stranger. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so today we're talking about tears, commissions. Tears. And I just want to be clear, we're not talking about tears that you cry. Well, they do make people cry. <laughs> so <laughs> we're maybe. talking about tiered systems. Mm-hmm. Commission scales and sliding scales. 
yeah, all of the things that make our industry a problem. Well, I feel like those three things are literally what gave commission salons the stereotype that they have today and why no one wants to work for a commission salon because of craziness like that when the simplicity of a commission pay structure is Is exactly that. It's simple. Yeah. So why did we complicate it? The sliding scale was kind of invented, like, well, if you work more and you have more clients, you'll make more. But isn't that also true just in general of commission? Yeah. If you work more and have more clients, you'll make more. That's the point of commission in general. So the mm-hmm. sliding scale is just, you I know. I felt like that was like a a really low incentive. incentive. Yeah, but low in the sense of like desperation, but also for, it's a poor move as a business owner. Like- I'm going to give you more money to work. Why don't I hire people that want to work to produce more money as an employee? So it just never made sense to me why people would do that. And then it also puts the power back into the hands of the salon owner, even though it's like, oh, we're giving them more if they do mm-hmm. more. It's like, yeah, but you're kind of also micromanaging and controlling and dangling a carrot. And we're not, we're like past that. We're mm-hmm. not doing that anymore. And that's why when you do, like hourly time-based pricing and you fill your books with clients that you want to work with, like that's what people are looking for. So the sliding scale and And you know your commission is this much, like whether it's 50, 48, 46. I mean, yeah, just you can do the math relatively how much you want to make, you know? So it's just kind of like, why? Why do we complicate it? Yeah. I've heard people say, well, I just want to give my staff more. It's like, that's a whole other issue of like not knowing Give them about. 401ks, give them health benefits, give them yeah. other things. <laughs> but also we need the salon to make money in order to stay in business. So we were talking to someone last week and they were like, if I could give them 100% commission, I would. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, but then you wouldn't, Mm-mm. you wouldn't have a business and you yeah. wouldn't make, like, I get that. Like we want to villainize commission. We want to villainize salon owners. Yeah. But it's like, they're not playing any other game than what everyone else is playing. Yeah, they have is, a business like you do as an independent or a stylist, just on a different scale. They have a business like anyone has a business. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to make money. And I don't know when it became a crime for hairdressers and salon owners to make money and why we criminalize each other for it. Like, really they're do. making oh, money You just want to make money. Yeah, and I'm like... <laughs> yeah. Salon owners don't make yes, as much do money, make money off, you. <laughs> off of you as you think because most salon owners aren't running their businesses properly. Mm-hmm. And so we find this all the time, and I'm not saying everyone for everyone listening. So if you're like, that's not me, I know I'd that's about not you. about 98%. <laughs> <laughs> you're in the 2%. But it's true. It's, you know, there's so much given away. And then it becomes more of the stylist wants to make more money, but they weren't taught business practices. So they demand more commission when the reality is they should probably raise their prices as well. Well, this and is what happens. so it's just this, we create all these things to give incentives, and then the salon is tapped out, mm-hmm. and the hairdresser thinks, well, now give me more, and the salon is like, I literally cannot. Mm-hmm. And then it turns into, all you do is make money off me, I'm going to go work for myself. It's mm-hmm. like, it's this weird, like... And then they work for themselves, and they realize real quick, <sighs> oh, crap, 50% of my I have income. to be honest, I'm so, I'm so over it. I'm just <laughs> like, if you want to do a sign scale and fuck up your business, <laughs> go ahead and do it. I don't care. But it doesn't I work. don't understand why it's there's so helpful. much reactivity around it. Like, I I want I just want to be very clear. If you open a salon, the goal is to make money, mm-hmm. or you shouldn't be a salon owner. You shouldn't be a business owner at all. Yeah, 
of any, I don't care what business it is. I don't know why salon owners think they're in a, a world of their own when you own a business like everyone else that owns a business yeah. and you need to make money. And the only way to make money in America is to hire other people. Mm-hmm. This isn't a bad thing. It's just the truth. And everyone needs to fucking accept it. I love too when they're like, well, I don't want to be a salon owner. I want to be a leader. And it's like, well, then don't, you can still be a leader and not own a salon because- Owning a salon comes with the responsibilities of running a business. So yeah, if you want to just you work, be a leader. <laughs> if you work for someone who says, I don't want to be a boss, don't work for them. Mm-hmm. Because it'll show, it'll show real quickly that they don't know what they're doing and they don't want to be a boss. And that shows up in gossip and treating everybody like family and boundaries that don't exist anymore. Like if So when you hear, I don't like being a boss, run mm-hmm. as far as you possibly can from that person. You don't need to like being a boss, but... You can't set out to open a business and be like, I'm not going to be a boss. I'm a cool mom. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't do yeah. that. That doesn't end well for the cool mom or the cool dad. <laughs> no. Or the child. Or the child. Uh, you, I remember working with a salon once. They came to me and they were struggling. They came to me for coaching. And when I'm trying to, like, collect the information about their business, they're like, we're struggling financially. And all of these things. And people keep leaving. And I was like, well, what are their commissions like we started to talk about their commissions and their commission was really low granted the stylist did have a higher price point because they're a very well-known salon in california and they were all known for doing a specific type of haircut and the shag that it was not the shag shockingly (laughs) but it was when i'm talking to them i'm like so is anybody reaching 48 percent commission because they had a sliding scale and that they worked with an accountant who's never been in the industry and set it up mm. because he had restaurant experience. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, yeah, he set it up so it's basically unachievable to hit those higher commissions so that we make more money. And then why set it up? Exactly. And so it like two things. One, yes, we want you as a salon owner to make money. But at the same time, don't do it like an asshole. Like, <laughs> do it because your team is also making money. Like and if you bring in $100,000 this month, you can make 50% commission. Yeah, and it's like, <laughs> they made it so unachievable. And then, you know, what does that do to morale of the salon? Like, I can only imagine. Also, hairdressers aren't stupid. They know what it's achievable and what's not. And mm-hmm. I, the other thing, too, is like, I should also be very clear, at DTH, we believe the best commission is either 46 47 or 48 percent anything above 48 percent starts to eat into the salon's profit and any salon who has someone on their team and they pay them more than 48 percent commission that person does not make the salon any money and that person even though they bring in the most money is still eating into your profits and this is where salon owners i don't think understand the math like Mm -hmm. Stop trying to convince your staff of the math. Just learn it yourself and then apply it. You don't need to like explain to the staff why. The staff needs to understand why. If you're a hairdresser and you want to know why your boss takes your money, it's because they want to make money. It, yeah. There's no other formula. Yeah. And so it is okay to have that 46, 47, or 48% commission. That's absolutely okay. And anything above that, the business is going to go up like a roller coaster and then it's going to drop. Yeah, And so, yeah, the stylist will be making money. The business won't be making money. And then the s- salon is going to get frustrated and they're going to blame the staff. And then what are you going to do? Go backwards? Yeah. Like lower the commission? That's going to cause another problem. We've had to help salons lower their commission because there really is no other solution yeah. in most cases. And it does cause a problem, but 
if you're on a team as a hairdresser and you want the salon to actually stay open, then you also have to understand how commission works. Mm -hmm. And by the way, other businesses that do commission, they don't make 48% commission. No. Like, it's a high commission. Yeah. (laughs) Some people are making like 20%, maybe even 30, you know. There's this whole thing out there with hairdressers that are like, my boss only gave me 50% commission. I'm like, that's idiotic for your boss. You do know that on both sides, (laughs) so let's say there was a 50-50 split, at least 30% on both sides are being taken for some sort of tax expense. You know what I mean? So it's really leaving both parties with a minimal amount of that 50%. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that people don't consider. You know, like we say that to independents, like 50% of your income, all that cash flow that you think that you're keeping goes to expenses. It goes to reordering. It goes to paying your rent. It goes to all of those things. So I wish people would do more math. And I and I say this to our salon owners, we're like, be transparent. Be transparent about costs. Be transparent about what you're doing as a business and how you're looking to grow. And, and also be consistent and clear like this is the commission for every single person new or old that's the other part of this yeah oh you're new you get a less commission it's like no i also want to make money giving people different amounts of commission is wrong yeah treat everyone the same everyone give give them as much of an equal chance as everyone else and let them show what they can do Mm -hmm. which is why we so then it goes back to something the tears right and this, this has been like a standard in salons. Like you want to have- Tier one, tier two, or tier Or like three. junior, whatever they want to call it. Like master, you know, artisan. And artisan. the reality- Yeah. <laughs> and that's one. I've heard it. <laughs> no? Expert. Yeah. So the reality is a lot of times, usually someone gets that title because they've been there the longest, not because they're necessarily the best artist. They've also have the biggest clientele, so they get moved up. And so it sets this intention with stylists that they're less than. Like the ones under are less than, and that's why they're cheaper, and that they're going to get their hair messed up. You know, we even realized that firsthand when we started first started hiring coaches, and you and I were still actively coaching the way our coaches are now. We called them junior coaches. Mm-hmm. Because technically they were like they again they didn't have a client. and I get why people do it. It's like you want to signal yeah that like they're less experienced and that's what you're paying for. But that was a mistake and it's a mistake to do in salons. Well, that's the thing. Going back to us and our coaches, I remember a student that I was doing a discovery call with because we didn't have Drew's Jews then to do the discovery calls was like, oh, I don't want to be. I want to be with you. I want to be the, with the master coach. And I remember trying to explain to them like no, this is kind of insulting. Like I, these people are being hired and teaching what David and I have taught, taught and created. They're on our level. Like we have trained them to be on our level. And you can't explain that with the title like junior coach or junior stylist. And so you see a lot of stylists go through these intense trainings and are killing it and could absolutely hold the, the capacity of that expert level person but yet we we hold them down. So the minute we took that away, people were booking with our coaches left and right. And not with us anymore because they were they were having their own presence. And that's what I say all the time. Like our coaches on our team, like our employees for our company, like we're we're like you're on our level and we're all growing together. And so, stylists, salons need to do that too. Like, yes, you're not always going to be on the same level. But if you don't trust someone, and I hear this from salon owners, like I don't trust them. You know, they're still new. Well, 
then they need more training. Like, and let them navigate that. Yeah, but like saying you don't trust them, it's like that doesn't look good on you as a business owner. Then why are they on the team? It's one thing to be like, yeah, they might mess up. That's part of learning and growing. But to be like, I don't trust them. They're gonna mess up. They can't handle this. It's like now you just look dumb. Yeah, the the tiered systems create like a seniority issue and. Like you get a raise or you make more if you've been there longer. Oh, I've been doing hair for twelve years. I don't know. I've no longer. And I've not done do- a single class in years. I've done nothing to advance my education. I just know so many hairdressers that have been doing it for years and they suck. And they charge a lot of money and people pay them. So why can't someone who is new, whether they're good or bad, also charge a lot of money and people are gonna pay it? like if people are gonna pay it, then you let people pay it. I don't know why we're like policing each other and all of our own people. Like if yeah, you don't think something's worth it, then don't pay for it. The one industry where we preach lifting each other up the most, but we hold each other back and push each other down more than I've ever seen in any other industry. I've yeah, never kind seen of a more vicious industry just want to hurt each other. I mean, like just scrolling on the internet, I'll see someone like I- I've talked about this in past episodes, post a hair picture and just get demolished. Like even lawyers treat each other better and they are actually fighting. Yeah. But then they'll actually hang out. Sometimes lawyers are not the best morally. <laughs> right? But it's like they'll fight in court and then they'll go have drinks together afterward. Yeah. They're on different teams. And it's like we are on the same team mm-hmm. and we hurt each other. We're like, oh, they own a salon down the street. It's instant competition. It's like who sa- who wrote these rules? Because like we need to have a chat. The sliding scales, the tiered systems, all those things. By the way, who created them? Satan. <laughs> Men. Product companies. Uh, and so, yeah, yes to both, I guess. Product companies created them for sales purposes and incentives. They're not actually for growth because hairdressers didn't, early on in the salon industry, there weren't all these different systems because hairdressers just did hair and they charged them out. And that was it, right? Mm -hmm. Then product companies come in and they're like, oh, you know, if if we set this up, then you can make more. And then if we sell this and it's a benchmark, then they can get a raise and all that bullshit. If you are basing your growth on product sales, then you definitely haven't listened to our podcast long (laughs) enough. Um, But it's not right. It's not good. It's not healthy. It doesn't work. It's causing people to go out and rent which again, there's nothing wrong with rental, but it, but a lot of people are going out to rent and they're not ready. Yeah. And then they get stuck. We get a lot of phone calls of like, I went out on my own. I opened my own salon suite. I'm not making any money. I don't know where to go because I don't want to go back to a commission salon. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, is it that you don't want to go back to a commission salon or you don't want to go back to the experience that you had before? Because there's a different the version problem. out there. Yeah. There's a different version. All of our DTH salons, they get one commission, everybody the same. And they set their own pricing. And if they want to raise, they increase their pricing. Mm-hmm. There's no there's no shift in commission, sliding scale, tiered system. Everyone is basically taking personal responsibility for themselves. And just, just like you would as a renter. And you decide. You choose. And I think, why are we not doing that all the time in every situation? Yeah. And also salon owners are shooting themselves in the foot by being like, oh, well, you can't have a raise because you didn't hit your benchmark. It's like, so you're not going to, you're not going to let them make more money and you're not going to make more money mm-hmm. because a product company says they didn't hit a benchmark. That's stupid. It just Use doesn't make sense. Use and your I think, you know, brain. just because it's easy to sit here and 
state opinion, right? Without a follow through or, or what to do. I feel for a lot of these people. I mean, change is scary. We all experience it, even though I know you and I and our team and like what we teach is to work on that change and embrace the discomfort. But I get it. Like I, I empathize with these people because I'm like, it's terrifying to say to your team, this system that I've been using no longer works or everything I thought about business isn't what I thought. And that is frightening because then there's this idea of I'm not good enough. We were actually talking to, um, we did training with one of our future proof or with our future proof salons. And one of our salon owners was saying like, I feel like I have to be at work all the time for them to think I'm valuable. And I'm like, you being there once a week and having in-depth coaching moments with them and leading them and supporting them is more valuable than being there seven days a week sitting at your laptop. It's like, like parenting. Yeah. It's like, are you just home with your kids or are you actually talking to them? Are you interested in them? Are you communicating with them? How are you helping them grow? And I think that's where there's there's power in it. And I think anybody that wants to make a shift, one, know it's going to be hard. That's part of it. Changing anything, even a micro change, is going to be difficult. Even do something like stop carrying one product because, you know, it was discontinued or back order. I'm sure a client's going to get pissed. Like, even something small, like I've seen it in salons, like you move a station and everybody uproars. Like any change is going to cause a little bit of chaos. You have to decide, is all of that chaos worth it on the other side of it? And that's that's where the value is. It? And that's that's looking at big picture. Like is the big picture of all these changes going to make me feel the way I want to feel? Is it going to bring me closer to what I think my success looks like? And if the answer is yes, then... Strap on your boots, baby, because we're going <laughs> we're going on a ride. <laughs> I remember I was working with someone. This is like kind of highlights your your explanation of all this. She and she the problem was that she was too busy. Yeah. And the reason that she was too busy is because she undercharged. It was a la carte pricing, sliding scale commissions, commissions all over the place. Like she was just making deals with whoever came to work with her and Nothing made sense. She was so busy. She got herself into a space where the salon was so busy. And it was, I guess on one level, you're like, look how successful. This person was losing their mind, not actually making enough money, and just hustling and trying to get them to make one change, which was pricing. That was the first thing I was trying to change. Within three days said, I can't do it. I'm just going to keep it how it is. And just decided that's I'm just going to live like this. And that is... Unfortunately, what happens to a lot of people, not that that person maybe in the future won't change, but a lot of people are like, I'm just, gonna, I can't do it. I'm too scared. I'm just going to keep doing this because it's easier to deal with what you know than what you don't know. And of course, we're on the other side as coaches being like, the other side is really nice mm -hmm. and it's calm and it's peaceful and it's financially abundant. And there's boundaries here and there's success over here. And we watch people all the time just like, on a rat race and like a little hamster wheel just going 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 not getting anywhere being exhausted and at the end of their career nothing to show for it and we keep doing bullshit things like sliding scale i'll make a little bit more the sliding scale commission when it goes up one or two percent even five the amount that everybody makes from that is so small mm -hmm. that it's, it's not, even, not worth it. even worth the math like that, that's what people the don't get. The mental exertion. 
<laughs> that's what people like don't even get about they're like oh i made i made a higher commission okay so you literally made 10 more dollars if you do the math it's so low what you make and we don't do the math we just like the idea that we made more than we usually do mm-hmm. and again all of those systems were created to get you to sell products and to get you to hit benchmarks and to hit, get you to hit all these things and on a business level, yes, I get it. Benchmarks make sense. That's how you measure the growth of a business. But at the same time, if that's all you're doing is growing the business based on benchmarks, you're going to burn everyone out. Everyone's going to get upset. You're going to burn up your reputation. And then what? Benchmarks yeah. only work if people are working for you. Yep. And that's the part that people don't remember. So you can have all the best business systems and structures in place and nobody wants to work for you. And what good is that? I always say if you're going to do math, I know a lot of people out there like doing math. I am not one of them. But if you're going to do math, if I'm going to sit down and do math, I'm going to do big math. I'm going to do math that seems unachievable. I'm going to do math that terrifies me. Like, I'm going to write that number down that... Big math energy. Yeah, big math energy. But I'm going to write that number down that like, okay, what what would it take for me to profit a million dollars? How can I look at that big number, a million, and roll backwards? I mean, that's how I do that. I'm like, this is what I want. This exactly. Is what I, this is how I break take, it down, and this is what I need to go get it. I think people are even scared to write that number down to experience it because they're afraid well, of what Remember when we were in like. California? I do. That was a long time ago. We were teaching a course in California and in person, and we asked the group to basically write the number down that you want to make a year and push yourself. And this person... There was one person in the audience said, I put down a million. And I think it came out to like 500 and something dollars an hour. Yeah. I don't know what the whole thing was that this person said, I want to make a million. And she was very excited and she felt very empowered. And again, it was the exercise of doing the math and seeing what it really looks like. And someone else in the class got so upset that that person, she started crying. Yeah, she was like, you can't, you can't tell people they can make a million dollars. And we were like, we're not. Well, one, they can. Yeah, but also, and- like, you can see what it would take because was that person going to go out and raise her prices from 60 to 500? No. <laughs> but did that just flip a switch on in this child's mind? Yes. They're right. like, I'm going to raise to $100. And you know what? In a year after that, after I start to really get here, I'm going to go to 200 and then what mm-hmm. if I really built a strong educational influential, influential platform? Could I charge $500 for a haircut? Yeah, you freaking could. Like, but it Ted was Gibson just... charges, I think, 600 for a hair an hour. Sally Hirschberger charges, what, $900 for one haircut, like, in an hour? It was, it was eight when I worked for her, but maybe it's more now. The point but is, it's possible. It was just so interesting how upsetting the idea of that success. It's interesting how it was upsetting to somebody and fulfilling to another. It was a very interesting perspective for me and Sid to see. But that all comes from mindset. And if you think big or you think small and if you want to do the math and you want to have fun and you can break the rules and you can make whatever you want to make. I mean... that simple. It's not hard. But when you put arbitrary red tape around commissions and pricing and how people make money, you're going to cause problems and people want simplicity and transparency. And if you don't offer that, they're going to go somewhere else. And 
I know that you might think a sliding scale is beneficial. It's not any money. There's not enough money to make a sliding scale worth it. Let people be totally in control by really having control over their pricing. And you as the owner set the commission and you set it for what you need to make to be successful, happy, fulfilled, and keeping the business running. And you don't feel bad about it and you move on and you let hairdressers decide if they want to work like that. Like, remember you are, you're the leader. Teach people. You're the boss. Yeah. Teach people how to do that. Like inspire them to be like, wow, my salon owner just went for it. And look at this. And like, you are setting, like, again, going back to parenting, when you are in a leader leadership position, you are setting the example of what leadership, success, financials, business looks like for the people below. That's why we all came from toxic salons and then said we're never going to be our salon owners and then created replica salons of those issues. And that's that's how you shift it. So I and have, have said it before and I've said it a million times and I'll keep saying it. If you work for a salon owner that doesn't make money, ask yourself, <laughs> why the hell do you work for this person? Mm-hmm. Don't you want to work for someone who knows how to build a business and make money? What? If you work for a law firm, if you work for any company where your growth is dependent on the business and their growth is dependent on you, don't you want to work for someone who's smart, intelligent, wise, knows how to do business, grows exponentially, and then teaches you how to be part of that? Why, as hairdressers, do we villainize that? Like, oh, they're they're taking all my money and they're growing. Well, they're taking yeah. what's theirs and they're growing their business and, and you are part of that. And these are the same people that will say, oh, I love when Susan comes to see me because it takes me like five minutes to do her hair and she pays the full price. The same people that are like, will take advantage of their clients. Yeah, so affect you all. It, if you're stealing from your clients, you're probably working for someone that's stealing from you. So But also like it's a mindset like if you don't if you don't steal and you don't think you're stealing, you're probably not going to walk around thinking that people are stealing from you. It's very true. Or if you are stuck and feel like you're not growing, you know what I mean? Like if you're not in a place of lack, it, like that's where chaos starts is when you're constantly in a state of lack and suffering and that mindset of just I have nothing, then yeah, you're gonna have nothing in your career. You're not gonna be fulfilled. This topic is it gets me fired up. I get so frustrated with it because I'm just like I think this is a good ending point. I think we need to leave it here and let this seed marinate and let people start to think <laughs> for themselves because that's everybody's right to critically think and decide what they want to do in their their future. And yeah, we'll see you in next week's episode. Bye-bye. Next time on Destroy the Hairdresser, the podcast. I mean, this was like 15 years ago. Like, <laughs> uh, and um, I'm panicking. This poor woman is in a foreign country. I can't this communicate with any her. any English. I'm screaming at my... And like, she I'm, thinks her hair is on fire. And I'm like smiling. You like, thumbs up. Yeah, I'm standing over her, but like I leave the bowl and like come into her face a little bit. And I'm like, yeah, everything. Like, 